Welcome to episode number 121, Hello Bass Bass Podcast. Learn how Kobe Koenig kicked my butt last week at Lahamadu and a whole bunch of other stuff. If you get a chance to rate or review this podcast in your favorite podcast app, that'd be truly greatly appreciated. But if not, hey, you know what? Just enjoy the episode and suck less. This week, the Hell of Ass Bass Fishing Podcast is brought to you by Arsenal Fishing. Arsenal Fishing offers premium custom-made performance apparel and tackle. Arsenal delivers a wide variety of custom-designed baits, accessories, and tools, along with unique utilitarian apparel for all outdoor enthusiasts. As part of their support, you can use code HELLABASS15 to save 15% on all purchases at arsenalfishing.com to support the show. Now let's get back to helping you catch more bass and suck less. All right, here we are, Wednesday Night Live. We're finally back this weekend after a week off. And it's good to be back. You ready to talk fishing? Uh, lots of things going on in the Bassin world, both locally and kind of convenient to Minnesota and Wisconsin. And so, ready to talk about all things fishing tonight. And uh, got Kobe Koenig joining tonight. What's up, Kobe? Uh, not a whole lot. How are you? Good. Good. Well, kind of. We talked about that one. <laughs> <laughs> all things considered, doing pretty well. Yeah. Uh, um, is that the, is that one of those crystal blacks up there behind you the the new uh, the new trophy there? One of uh, yeah that one right there. Yeah. So just, front and center. Yeah, there you go. Uh, call him the champ. Yep. Yep. What's uh, up, Darius? Lots of people checking in. AJ, awesome. Hopefully, uh, we sound and look okay on the YouTubes and everything else. Let us know. But uh, yeah, I got a handful of things to talk about tonight. Uh, definitely want to recap the TOC, the Minnesota Bass Nation TOC that we were both a part of last week. Kind of talk about practice TOC. Touch on Oahe. I don't know if you follow the Elite Series at all, but kind of think want to recap a few things there. Talk about the upcoming event at Lacrosse and a handful of other things. So I think there's plenty of things to uh, talk about. Hey, there's Mark, my day one partner from the TOC. What's up, Mark? Mark got his first TOC limit and got his first opportunity to cull at the TOC. So that was a pretty good day one from that there perspective. Go. Uh, the ribs, they are still sore. Turns out that uh, fishing for a full week and spending 12 plus hours a day in practice and then three long tournament days is not the road for fast recovery with uh, <laughs> broken slashed bruised ribs or whatever they are. I'm actually going in to finally get them looked at after like we went to the emergency room the first night but i'm going back in because i'm like three weeks and i still feel not great it's time to to go back in yeah but uh no fishing for a full week takes it out of you when you are healthy I can't yeah even, no joke I can't imagine i honestly like i never get this way but on the third day when i really just realized i wasn't gonna catch like 15 pounds like i needed i was like Maybe I should just go in. <laughs> that, that's like not me at all. Like I am yeah. like mm -hmm. fight hard, flip to the last second. It can happen in the last five flips, but like, yeah. Yeah, I, there was a little bit of a jig bite, but it wasn't great. It, I think it was a way to get some better bites, but you weren't going to get a lot of bites throwing a jig. Um, yeah. Did you throw the jig much, like a regular uh, jig much in practice or? I, I mean, I always have a jig tied on yeah. as I'm sure most people did. And I think that's kind of what, uh, I think that might have contributed to a little bit of the struggles on it. 
um, you know, a, a hundred boats on any lake, it's going to fish a little tough. Um, and so I felt like everybody was throwing a jig. I did get some of my bigger bites on it. I think I weighed, I think I weighed two fish on, on a jig. Um, but yeah, it just, it seems like, it seemed like everybody was throwing one. Um, and especially when they get kind of beat up leading up to tournament day at, uh, they don't always love it. Yeah, I mean, I, I weighed a few fish, but they were definitely shallow fish on the jig, yeah. not not deep fish. But yeah. um, the shallow fish did seem to bite, <laughs> although they kept on getting picked off throughout the week. But mm-hmm. uh, they didn't seem real picky. Like sometimes when there's a hundred boats on the lake, you gotta like start to like Ned and wacky rig up shallow. But I didn't really feel like that was a necessity. I felt like if you got your bait around them shallow, they ate it. But Did you do a lot of most of your fishing up shallow? Um, I would say it was probably 50-50. I actually spent m- the majority of my practice fishing offshore just figuring that I could I can usually just go shallow if I need yeah. to. I don't spend I mean I dabbled a little bit, tested a few things, you know, cuz like there's a lot of reeds, so I kind of wanted to get an idea like typically there's certain kind of reeds that go and certain kinds that don't, so I kind of want to get a feel for that a little bit. Um, yep. but yeah. No. Um so before we forget, I want to make sure we thank Arsenal Fishing for supporting the stream and the channel um, and bringing this. So there's obviously the code down below on the screen for that and Omnia. But later on tonight, we are going to give away an Arsenal long sleeve hoodie, extra large. So sorry, but it will be an extra large one because that's all I got. But I think I think I, based on the way you're dressed, you're pretty much a long sleeve hoodie guy. I mean, that's kind of your apparel on the lake too, right? Like there's no yeah. other... Yeah, no, keep the sun off of me, please. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> uh, spend way too much time on the water. I'm sure I'll, I'll, skin cancer is bound to happen any, either way, you know, with the amount of time that we spend on the water. So, I yeah, can, it took me a little longer to get wise as a younger person uh, than you did probably. But like before the, the age of information, like I was probably wearing like a lot of cut off sleeve T-shirts and stuff when I was your age. But I finally smartened up, so hopefully that buys me a few years of uh, <laughs> extended time before we have to deal with any skin issues. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so I guess we'll dig in because I guess I didn't see how much time you had, Kobe, and you can hang out as long as you want or if you have to go. But we'll probably so we talked about this like I fished through this tournament, and the reason I, you know, if, basically if there was there'd be very few other tournaments that I probably would have tried to fish through <laughs> in my condition, but like. This is like my main tournament every year, unless I qualify for regionals or nationals. But like I put a high priority and focus on this because I'm really into moving on and trying to qualify because as a guy that's got like a regular 40, 50 hour week job and a family and stuff, like I don't really have the the time off or things to go fish the opens or the Toyotas or things like that. So I put in a high priority that like I only get one shot each year to make a regional team. Uh, and so I, you know, hell or high water, I was going to fish this tournament no matter how bad I was feeling going into it. But So that was last week. It was our state tournament in Minnesota Bass Nation. You have one tournament. used to be a two-day tournament. Now it's a three-day tournament with a cut. And uh, so we had uh, three days of practice, a day off, and then two full field tournament days, and then a cut. Um Greg says congrats. Greg was fishing the tournament. That's great. Um, but uh, so yeah, we. I don't. Did you did you get 
three full days of practice in? What was your practice? Yeah, so practice started on Saturday, uh, mm-hmm. Saturday before the tournament. So um, I live up in Grand Rapids, so it's a, it's around three hours down to Alexandria. Um, so I came down Saturday morning, um, got on the water around like 8.30 or so, um, and then I obviously had the rest of practice to yeah. spend on the water. So, are you uh, yeah. a, a, a like a eight hour a day practice guy, a twelve hour a day practice guy? What's what's uh, sunrise to sunset? Yeah. Uh, I I really enjoy practice. Uh, try to spend as much time on the water as possible. Kind of like you talked earlier, like with you know it can happen a lot in the last five flips of the day. Like mm-hmm. I'm a strong believer in it can you can find the you know magical spot in the last five minutes of any practice day. So sure. I try to spend as much time on the water as possible. Um, and I was lucky enough to get pretty much three full days of practice in. So. Yeah. I definitely pushed myself probably more than I should have. I pretty much practiced 12 hours a day, maybe even 13, a couple of the days, which was a lot. I went up Friday night. We had our place on Carlos. Uh, so I was out pretty early. I definitely like eased into it. Saturday was a lot of like, I probably drove around for maybe like two hours before I even uh, made a cast. I was kind of hoping Drew would get out of bed. So that he would like be out there to like help me lift the trolling motor and stuff, but he slept in until like I don't know what time. He didn't he didn't get out of the wire till like one o'clock. So, but eventually, then I, and I slowly and I'd pick up. I like the first few places I fished, I would just pick up the jig worm <laughs> and just like easy to do. Then just like if you got a bite, you could just kind of yeah. You, you must have had a pretty hard time jacking them, huh? It ended up not being too that that particular motion wasn't the worst. I didn't okay. really start setting on fish until probably the second half of day two, as far as like jigs or flipping or things like that. There was a few fish where I was flipping on like day one where I would just kind of try to like reel and lean into them and they just would, I just, they would come off. <laughs> <laughs> but it definitely affected fishing a little bit. I definitely, I don't know, was thinking about it and there was things that I would like not fish and I would just graph and I don't know, it was, it was a weird thing. Like yeah. I wouldn't say it was completely, but it definitely wasn't like, I would say I was maybe 80% effective in practice versus like a full 100%. But, and I, and I kind of focused my practice on Lahamadu and Darling and a little bit of Carlos. That's kind of okay. how I did it. Um, okay. I never went into Geneva or Victoria. And I actually kind of wish I probably would have spent more time in Carlos in, in retrospect, but. Yeah. It seemed like there was quite a few boats in Carlos and the, the bite seemed pretty good. And Carlos from, from the sounds of it. Um, I, I've only been on the lake one other time. Um, last year was my first time on the lake at a tournament out, um, out there. Um, and I got a couple days practice in last year as well. So I didn't know the lake super well, but, um, I did fairly decent last year, uh, in that tournament. So I kind of knew some areas that had some bigger fish. Uh, so I actually, I pretty much left it alone. Mm-hmm. Um, in practice. And I, I kind of like similar to you, I, I drove around a bunch, uh, the, that first day, um, just kind of got a feel for things and then fish around a bit, kind of just figure out what they were doing. And honestly, I had a pretty tough time dealing with largemouth. Um, I don't know if they were just, I mean, you look around and every single boat's just hooked up with fish <laughs> in practice. So I don't know if that had something to do with it. Um, but I, I, I try to be fairly conservative in practice. I really hate burning fish. 
Um, so I, I, I kept her pretty easy. Uh, I like to look around a lot and try to find little off the wall things. And so I, I got a little bit of a gauge for what the largemouth were doing, but for the most part, I kind of went in fairly blind that first day. Um, and so I didn't really know what I had. I ended up, my largemouth stuff was better than I thought it was going to be. Um, but I pretty much spent my entire practice chasing small mouths. So nice. So yeah. what, what, uh, what, what, you know, like how much, if you get a percentage, how much time do you spend driving versus fishing in your three days? Oh boy. Um, I would say, so I drove around for a little bit right away. Um, and then started fishing. And then once I feel like, and this goes for just about any tournament, um, especially when I find fish out deep, uh, once I kind of figure out what they're biting and what they're sitting on, at least a little bit of a gauge, I, I pretty much have, I'm on idle mode the entire rest of practice. Uh, once I feel like I kind of got an idea, especially in like a three day format, mm-hmm. um, where you, you, you know, you need a lot of spots typically. Um, I try to find as much as possible. So I would say once I kind of, I'd spent a few hours, you know, trying to figure them out that first day. And then the next two days, I probably spent 80% of my practice driving around. So. And so we, when you said you figured them out, that was like more the small mouth thing, or was that more the large mouth thing? Um, a little bit of both. Um, this, I would say my practice was spent probably 70, 30 on small mouth, uh, to large mouth. Um, so I, the large mouth, I kind of figured out they were sitting there. I mean, they were sitting on weed clumps, right? It's Lahamadu is just filled with tons of grass, uh, tons of coontail. Um, and so they don't sit everywhere. Um, so it's, it definitely seemed like they weren't, not every single fish was on the weed line. Um, they were kind of more relating to any bit of flat that came out. Uh, and then just looking for clumps on those flats. So once I kind of figured that out, um, I drove around for quite a while just trying to find different clumps. Um, and then went after small mouths. Uh, and I, the small mouths, I... I, I did. I went down to Lahamadu um, a few weeks before um, the tournament, and I just I did a bunch of graphing. I never even touched a rod, and just based I I did almost all my smallmouth fishing in Carlos, um, and just the way that Carlos sets up, super deep, clear. Um, I figured that those fish went pretty darn deep. I was seeing tons of bait uh, out suspended, and so I had. I, I had a pretty good suspicion that they went deeper than most people thought. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, uh, I had a handful of spots that I wanted to go look at right away. Um, ran a couple of them and saw a lot of fish um, out pretty deep, just on, just on straight sand, not even really relating to structure. They're more so just chasing bait. Uh, and so once I saw that and I caught a few um, found out, you know, what they would bite uh, I just drove around a bunch more and tried to replicate it. So when you say you saw them, it was like 2D or side scan or? Uh, just forward facing. So you were driving around to so kind of saw the right stuff and then you'd troll yeah, around and kind yeah. of Yeah, driving around trying to find the right depth. Um, 
pretty much anything i was catching them anywhere from 20 i think the shallowest smallmouth i caught was in 22 and the deepest i caught was in 32 probably um and any bit of rock that i could find obviously rock is you know i'm never gonna shy away from rock but it was more so a depth thing anything that was off the wall that i didn't think people were really hammering um that came up shallow enough to where bait was you know kind of hanging around it that seemed to be the biggest thing and then i was just chasing singles for the most part Hmm. um just with forward facing sonar the old smallmouth kent kent prides himself on his uh prowess for the bronze back so thanks kent that's cool so uh yeah, I gonna say my practice was kind of, I mean, I, plenty of fish, right? And I feel like, especially oh, yeah. large largemouth, I feel like you got to catch a few <laughs> because there's people that don't know the Alexandria chain is, I want to say, blessed or plagued with, yeah. I don't know, twelve to fifteen inches, like mm-hmm. um, unbelievable amount of bass. Kind of, you got to get to. I mean, you, you got to have all two plus pounders, and you need to find some that are in the three pound range for sure. Um, and I, I had no problem really getting dialed in and like the good, like average quality, but like three pound bites for me were super scarce in practice. Like, and I couldn't really put a rhyme or reason to it. I'd catch one on an inside turn and then I'd catch one on a point and then I'd catch one in a reed clump on a frog. And then I'd, you know, shake a good one off on a dock. And it was like, you know, just when I would start to think, Oh, it seems like they're on inside turns then I would catch one on a point or then I'd catch one on like a straight. And I'm just like, yeah. And again, and I like, never, it's never yeah. felt like I could get like multiple three pound or even like two and three quarter pound bites in an area mm-hmm. like, yep. or in a spot. Like when I was there in June, like practicing with Michael, we didn't necessarily find the big ones, but I mean, you could find huge schools. Like you could sit there and fish a small area and catch 50 fish. And I was surprised that I couldn't find schools of fish better. No, I didn't. And I I knew I wasn't going to like find like 53 pounders, but I figured like if I could find a place with enough pound and a half to two and a quarter, two and a half, that if you like leaned on them, you'd pop a couple of threes. Right. Mm -hmm. But I never found that. And that's where I spent most of my time looking for is like fishing around weed lines, looking for like, kept on thinking like, there's got to be a school here somewhere, but mm-hmm. yeah, no, it's, it's, it seems like, and I don't, I don't know. It's probably much further along than what we got um, up here uh, down by you. I'm sure, you know, it's a little, the lakes are a little bit further along, but it's been a really, really slow year for us um, up here. It's, it doesn't seem like the fish are, it doesn't seem like a lot of the fish went deep yet, uh, which is really, really odd for august right um so i don't know if that kind of helped me or not uh going down there but i i had in my mind that you know you know this time of year like every single bass should be on the weed line for the most part um and they just it it clicked for me really fast that that they weren't as far along as they should have been um it again i didn't i found one school in practice and that was it um so it's just it was really weird for me. And I honestly, like I, the same thing as you, like I had a really hard time finding three pounders in practice. I think I caught one four pounder and a couple three pounders and that was it. Um, but again, I kind of knew 
where some bigger fish lived. Um, and so it's just a matter of like, it was just a matter of trying anything to get a big bite. And so like, that's why I was throwing that I was flipping a jig, um, throwing a big chicken. I was throwing a mag draft. Yep. Yep. Are you throwing the white one or are you throwing, I was throwing the white and chartreuse? Yeah. yeah. Um, but you know, just anything to get a big bite. Um, I caught, I, I actually, I caught a lot of fish on a Tokyo rig XL, um, with a big, um, big trick worm on it. So just like anything, any like big bait, um, I was just hoping for a big bite, uh, and it ended up just kind of working out for the tournament. So. Yeah. So, so my tournament, basically I'll, I'll cover mine first because it was yeah. less exciting than yours. Um, I, I, I started in Lahamadu and I felt like, honestly, like doing this same thing, I thought like throwing a plopper would be a good way. Cause like you said, you like, you probably saw this too. Like you could literally catch decent bass from the bank all the way across the flat out to 22 feet of weeds. Right. Like they were literally scattered all through. Right. Like, and I thought like, Hey, if, if you commit to the plopper, right. The plopper usually will generate, if you commit to it, you're going to get some three pound plus bites. Right. And, uh, I really spent a lot of time in the morning based on my practice running areas, like not really like focused on a spot or a turn or a point, but like burning down what I felt were decent weed line area flats with the plopper and uh, Vixen, right? Like covering water. And uh, Mark got his limit pretty early on a small Chapo and I caught some fish and, you know, DT six and this and that, but I really, that it really didn't pan out. Like I, took me way longer to catch a limit than it should have. And, uh, it wasn't very good. Like I probably had like nine, 10 pounds after a couple hours with a couple decent two pound fish and, uh, ran into Bankston at like nine o'clock or 10 o'clock. And he's like, Oh, I got like 16. And I'm like, <laughs> and I just met him on a stretch of docks. And I was like, well, I don't know what you did, but if you're fishing docks now, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm putting the trolling motor down and covering some water. And so I went and fished a bunch of docks, called a bunch of times, really wasn't what I was looking for. I, then I found an area where we had some shallow weed mats that were kind of on a sharp break. They were like clumps. I ended up getting like two or three pretty like good fish there, like two sevens, two eights, two nines, like almost three pounders, but not three pounders. <laughs> and then uh, kind of ran around, bounced around, did some stuff, caught a few reed fish, called a couple late times on docks in uh dar uh, i was gonna say dardanelle instead of darling <laughs> but uh and then i ended up with like 13.3 or whatever which was like really in a weird spot right like i was like pretty far back from the leaders but i was like the top of the the, the middle right like yep. Yep. i think i was in 17th or 18th with 13.3 and like Corey had like 12 and change and he was like 24 fourth so like yeah it was actually sitting decent but like as far as like the top 10 that was like almost 15 pounds and like the lead was 19 for for bankston right Mm -hmm. and uh you had like 16 or something the first day and i was like all right i can live with that like i survived like i just need to like catch that or a little better the next day and so i kind of repeated it thinking a little bit different conditions on day two 
just need to get, you know, I just need a three pound bite. Like my big fish on day one was like 2.8 or 2.9. Like, so I had like 13, three and never caught a three pounder. Right. It was just all two and a half to two and three quarter pound fish. Kind of did the same thing the second day, tried to run through the areas a little faster, kind of changed up rotation, similar result to some degree. Actually, it was a little slower. It took me longer. I got to 11 pretty quick, but then I kind of got stuck there. A lot of the same stuff. And then ended up calling twice late again, twice in uh, in Darling, like literally on the same stretch. <laughs> uh, fished more of them because I gave myself more time on that stretch. And ended up with like 1290-something, which was like four-tenths less than the first day. And that dropped me back to like 21st, which... I really needed to get like 14. If I could have got 14, I would have actually been sitting like really close to the top 10 and I wouldn't have needed, like, I think I figured if I, if I would have caught my day one bag three days in a row, I would have been exactly at 10th. But at that point also, I could feel like the the days of fishing were really starting to stack against me. (laughs) And, uh, so I went into day three in 21st. So even though I caught like just less, I dropped four spots and I was like two pounds, not even just under two pounds out of 10th, which doesn't seem like a lot, but there was it is on that guys that I had to leapfrog, yep. right? Yep. And so that that's a lot. And I figured like Corey and I did the math because he was just ahead of me that I needed probably 14 to have a shot. And probably needed 15 or 16 to like seal it, like to go into weigh in with confidence that like, and so the last day I kind of like, I gave the plopper like 20, 30 minutes. And then I just went, put a jig in my hand and went shallow, covered a ton of water. It didn't work out. Like I, I just kind of thought like, I don't, didn't think if I kept on doing what I did the first two days, I was going to magically catch 14 or 15 pounds and catch three pounders. So I did what, I don't know, like went into Danny Brower mode. Like I'm pretty good with the jig shallow. And I figured like fish your strengths. And uh, I don't want to say swing for the fences, but like, you know, fish your strengths and see what happens. And if you you cover enough water, you're going to do something. And and it didn't work out. I weighed like nine pounds. And literally the last hour, I, my co-angler caught a couple of fish. And he, when I was in Lahamadu fishing shallow, he was thrown out and he caught a four almost four and three quarter pound smally throwing a plopper out, out behind me and like literally in three feet of water, like at 11 o'clock when it slicked off and went sunny, almost five pound smally ate his plopper in like three feet of water in a place I've never seen a smallmouth before. So, and so at the end of the day, I was like, you know what? <laughs> I'm Just clearly not going to catch 14 pounds. I've got like, I thought like maybe I've got eight and I ended up having whatever, almost 10, but um, we just went on some weed lines and, and darling and I let him, gave him an opportunity to hopefully catch a couple two pounders and actually he ended up finishing ninth. So he called twice at the end of the day, made me feel like my day was worth something to actually make, <laughs> let him make regionals. But uh, yeah. so that, that's kind of how it went for me. But like literally um, that was last couple hours of day one. Like I, I told you before we were getting, I, I literally thought about going in, like I was hurting that bad, my back, my neck, my ribs, like, and typically there's no quitting me. I never, and I was I was on the verge of just giving Ugh. up physically, but Ugh. um gross. Yeah. But that that's my day or my tournament in a nutshell, which you know, honestly, I finished twenty first. 
which a lot of people would be pretty stoked to finish 21st in a 90 or 100 boat field. But like it was, it was uh, either win or finish top 10 or, or nothing else really mattered. <laughs> yep. I hear ya. Um, so like, I guess, how did, how did you approach tournament day based on your practice and how did it unfold for you? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I just based off of practice, um, it was, it was pretty, it was pretty much sunny all of practice. Um, and like for Saturday could, morning, but yeah. Yep. Uh, and I could really only get bit large mouth wise. I could really only get bit in like the first hour and a half in the morning and like the last hour and a half at night. Um, and it was really tough during the middle of the day. So I, I knew based off of the looking at the weather for Wednesday, I was like, all right, well, I need to go chase my plan was to chase largemouth every single morning and then the rest of the day go chase smallmouth um and so i knew that i was gonna have to get my bites early um and so pretty much i was just uh in the area that i was in i was parallel in the weed line out in like 18 to 20 um with a chicken just slow rolling it um like a lot of guys do like the you know speed reel and stroke and that sort of thing um but I was, I was just paralleling the weed line and just rolling it over the tops of grass. I would watch it go down, um, and then just roll it right over the top, kind of like a, you would for a marabou or a, for a smallmouth with a marabou. Um, and so I was doing that to cover water, and then once I got in an area with you know, so or two, you said you're over the top, like over the flat or paralleling the edge. Like what depth were you like targeting and like? Um, so eighteen to twenty feet. Well, the coontail was growing up to about eight feet below the uh, surface. Um, so it was like anywhere from eight to 10 feet. So it was, you know, whatever, around eight, eight six to eight foot was where the grass was, you know, growing. Right. So you were targeting the deeper edge and kind of paralleling it yep. on that shoulder. Yep. Just to give me the most time in the strike zone. Um, and were and you so, seeing any of those fish or not? I was seeing a handful of them, um, but it was more so I was seeing the bluegills. Um, anytime that I got around a bunch of bluegills, it seemed like one would come shooting out of the grass up after it. Um, and that was where I got most of my big largemouth bites was on that thing. Um, a lot of smaller ones would follow it, but it seemed like the big ones were getting it. Um Around bluegill, like deep bluegill beds too. I don't know if you noticed that in practice, but there's a ton of deep bluegill beds everywhere. Um, it seems super active though. Like at least no, no, the bluegill beds weren't. The bluegill beds themselves weren't active, but there was always a handful of bass and bluegills within a hundred feet of them. Uh, just depended on where it seemed like, um, and so that was kind of like the, some of the areas that I was looking in. Um, and then I would go back through with that Tokyo rig XL and just kind of clean up shop on ones that didn't, uh, eat the chicken. Same thing with a jig. Um, but day one, uh, I left, I left my largemouth stuff with just under, just under 15 pounds. Um, and I wanted to hit 14. My goal was to hit 14 before I went and chase small mouths. Um, and so, and what time was that? Uh, that was around like 10, 10, 10 30. Um, and so I went and started 
looking at some of my smallmouth stuff. Um, caught, I called almost immediately, uh, dumped a big one. Um, and then I ran, and most of my stuff was in Carlos. Um, so I fished a couple, there's the couple of smallmouth that I caught earlier was in Geneva. Um, and then I ran to Carlos. I kind of had spots in every single lake, sure. large mouth, small mouth, whatever. Um, but most of my stuff was in Carlos. So I ran to Carlos first spot, caught one just under four. Um, second spot, caught one just under four. And that put me at 16 and three quarters. Um, and I was kind of feeling it out the first day. Um, you know, obviously just like looking at past weights and stuff knew that it usually takes around 17 to win out there. Um, and so I, I didn't, I wanted to play the long game, right? Uh, so you laid off them is what you're saying. Yeah. So <laughs> at, at one o'clock uh, I had 16, three quarters and I, I was pretty much done. Um, my, my co only had like, he only had like four pounds at the time. Um, so pretty much just drove him around uh, trying to get him some fish. Uh, and that was at like one o'clock. Um, and so pretty much just like felt it out. I was like, uh, like, like just under 17, I should be, I should be in the top 10, um, at least within striking distance. I, I didn't, I didn't know. I figured someone would catch a big bag. Uh, I didn't know that Bankston was going to catch 19, um, <laughs> but, uh, I figured that I would be, you know, within striking distance. Um, and then looking at the weather going into day two, saw that we were going to get some cloud cover. Um, and I just, I had a sneaking sp- suspicion that like my large mouth were going to bite. Um, and they did, I rolled up on day two and I, f- I fished, I fished two spots. I pretty much just fished one stretch. Uh, and I had like 18 and a quarter, um, and that was at not like quarter after nine. I, I was pretty much done fishing largemouth. I didn't want to burn it anymore. Um, went out uh, just to see what the smallmouths were doing. Um, and I, I more so wanted to see if anybody was on any of my stuff. Um, I was just kind of keeping an eye on it. But I rolled up to my first spot, saw one at like 70 feet, missed him because he was just like, they're, I mean, they're going from like 30 feet to the surface and back down just like nonstop all day. Um, and so I saw one, tried to hit him, missed him because he was just going nuts. Reeled it in. Uh, my second cast, he saw it, followed it down, four pounder. So, and then I was at like whatever it was, 19 and a half. Yeah. Right? The, yeah. the, scale, the scale was weighing obviously a little, a little hot. Yeah. Um, especially day two, I feel yeah. like day two and three yeah. seemed like really day two and th- yeah. Um, actually I, I had just over 17 on my scale day one. Uh, mm. and obviously they had, they had some issues going on. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I had, I had like 19 a quarter, um, on day two on my scale at 10 o'clock. And I was like, I, I'm just going to wash my smallmouth stuff the rest of the day. Uh, so I made two casts for smallmouths and that was, that was it. Um, <laughs> so was, was it a, a spinning rod deal for your smallmouth or what was Yeah, your... I was throwing a drop shot and a swim bait. Um, little, little I, takers, little, like a little swimmer. Or... Uh, yeah. So I had, I had two different drop shots uh, tied up one with like a, 
foot drop and then one with like a four foot drop. Um, and I, I've like, I've gotten into multi-species quite a bit um, just cause we have the opportunity to chase a lot of different things up here, uh, specifically walleyes and that kind of stuff. Um, and so we've been messing around a lot with like big drop shots um, and doing all sorts of crazy stuff with them, like catching them like, like pendulum and a drop shot out in like a hundred feet of water and all this crazy stuff. But like a drop shot's way more versatile than you would ever think. Um, so I pretty much always have one on the deck. Uh, so I had two different drop shots and then a swim bait on. Uh, and I was pretty much just based off of the fish's behavior, whatever I could get in front of them, um, because they were just going so nuts over bait. They were so hot. So it was like, if you can get a bait in front of them, they're going to eat it. Uh, and so that was kind of my setup. Um, but yeah, so day two, I, I just kind of sat around and watched my stuff the rest of the day after 10 o'clock, tried to get my co some fish. Um, and that was, uh, I, I think going, going into day three, I think I had like a two pound lead. Um, Ross Olson. Did you, did you see me come into that little reed clump and doc freaking out? Yeah. That So that flat, uh, that flat was like decently close to like mm-hmm. a couple of my smallmouth spots. Um, and so I, I pretty much, I just like, I was like, oh, this flat looks good. I, I actually, I went up there trying to find sand patches to see if, cause I, I figured that there was some shallow smallmouth too. Clearly there, there was, um, there were some guys catching big ones. Those are the only ones I looked for in practice were the ones on top. Yeah. Didn't go, didn't go great, but yeah. Um, so I, I just tied on, I just tied on a big shower bloat and I was just like, all right, well, I'll lock this in and see if I can find a small mouth. Uh, like like one like one of my first casts i caught like a big large mouth and called <laughs> it was just it was just one of those days right like right. I, I ended up i ended up catching i threw back like 16 and a half off of that flat it was like it was just one of those days right like i just couldn't do anything wrong um and i'm sure that'll bite me in the butt the next tournament cuz i won't <laughs> i won't catch anything but uh it was just uh it was just, again, it was just one of those days. Um, did you catch anything when you rolled in there? No, I, I had got one good large mouth binder that dock on like Sunday. Okay. So I was just like hoping, praying that like somehow <laughs> nobody else had caught it and it would just show up on that dock when I rolled through and would eat. But yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I think I had, I had like a two pound lead going into the third day. Um, which is, it's never comfortable, right? Uh, I mean, you were comfortably going to make regionals. Yeah. Yeah. Like yep. if I went out and catch eight pounds, definitely going to be in the top 10, but like, obviously yep. you had bigger, bigger aspirations at that point. Yeah. Yeah. Well, just based off of like catching or, you know, weighing 19 and a half, like a, a 20 pound bag is difficult. Um, but I knew it was doable. Right. So like, I figured if I could get to 18, uh, I, I would pretty much have it. So my goal was, my goal was 18, but that Ross, uh, Olson went up fishing, finishing second. Uh, he was in, uh, he was fishing some of my largemouth areas. And so I knew that he was like on some good fish. Um, so I don't know kind of what that rain did to him, 
the last night, but I, I mean, I woke up in the morning, I was staying in um, my ice castle. So I was at a campground. I woke up, I woke up at like two and it was pouring. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I I walked outside once I was getting ready to go at like five o'clock and like, I pretty much just stepped into a lake. Um, And so I, I was, I was a bit nervous, right? Uh, It's, it's always, you know, you always have a little bit of a bug in the stomach uh, going into the final day. So I, I didn't really know what to expect. And clearly the, the fishing was a little bit more difficult um, the third day. I think I only caught like, I, because I hadn't fished a full day yet, I was, I was pretty excited to get a full day and just kind of burn everything to the ground. Um, But I think I only caught like seven, I think I caught seven largemouth. Uh, and I like, I like hit it pretty darn hard. Um, luckily I got some big bites. Um, I think I, I was done fishing largemouth at like 10 30. Um, and I had just over 17 or just, no, just, yeah, just over 17, uh, like 17. Little did you know you had locked it up at that point. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But, But I, I like, I was like, set in my mind i'm like i need to hit 18 today um just to take the pressure off um so when I started fishing my smallmouth stuff and the smallmouth were biting it was like it was pretty gangbusters um and i think about the time you finished up that's about when I, i'm guessing the smallmouth really started like when it got sunny i bet you that's when they went a little little mm-hmm. goofy probably yeah yeah they were going nuts i like at one point i caught like five and five or six in a row it was it was just ridiculous which I, it might not seem crazy but on on a lake for people that don't know lahamadu it's not known for smallmouth by any means um there's not a huge population and so when i saw that they were biting i was like oh wow um this this could be a fun day um but my obviously my co was he was sitting in first along with me and so i i was really, really adamant. Once I, I was, I was just making minute calls. Uh, most of the smallmouth that I was catching were like three and a half. Um, so I, I want, I really wanted to get him some fish. So around like, again, like one o'clock, um, we just started running, uh, just some stuff that like we, we pulled up to that flat that I caught him in in Carlos, uh, just trying to get him some fish. Cause like, that smallmouth thing i'm just fishing individuals and like it's it's a one it's a one man show yeah, and you, you can't know? bring him with the rules of this tournament you can't even bring him on the front deck right so yeah. like, it's not like you yeah. like no i i actually i did try so i after i caught like those five in a row i'm like all right man like i you, you know he's sitting out the back like just casting at nothing i just i felt so bad so at one point he's like standing on the back deck and I'm like can you see my graph up here like like i'm gonna line one up for you like cast over there like there's one at 60 feet cast over there and he just like just it ended up not working out so we went shallow um just trying to get him some fish but I still hadn't hit all my smallmouth stuff. I hadn't even touched my best spot. Um, and so I was like, I was, I was still under 18 and I was like, God dang it. Like, dude, give me a half hour. I need to go fish. Like I need to go fish my best spot. I haven't even fished it yet this week. 
uh, and I rolled up there and the wind started blowing quite a bit on Carlos. It was ripping down the chute. Uh, and so it got a little bit tough, especially with forward facing. Uh, it's not always easy when it gets mm -hmm. choppy. Um, but I finally got on two fish and there was like five minutes left, made a cast on them and ended up calling my last cast. Uh, and that got me over 18. Then it was like, whew, okay, <laughs> the pressure's off. Um, so we ended up going back to Darling. We had a little bit of time left. I tried to, again, just <laughs> tried to get it one more, one more fish. He had a decent one and then a couple of small ones. And it, we kind of knew that he, he just needed one more fish. Um, and it just, it didn't end up working out. He, he finished third. So I was kind of kicking myself on that. Um, but it just, the way that I was fishing, uh, you know, I, I let him, I let all my coats know, like, it's just, it's not going to be easy for you. And I felt really bad about it because I've, I've fished in the back of the boat, um, with people that have forward facing sonar and it's just, it's a one man show, you know, um, so that was, uh, that was my tournament, uh, ended up weighing, well, I ate almost 18 and a half the last day and yeah. So, yeah, so this is what it looked like. Kobe smoked everybody by seven pounds. <laughs> no, so congrats to the guys in the top 10 that made it. And uh, here's where lowly Hellabass finished down in 21st. <laughs> Ended up being four pounds out or whatever it was, but still a good event. It was cool to make the cut the very first time we did three, the uh, three-day tournament. So congratulations to Perry winning the uh, the co-angler. And George, our, for his first ever state tournament as a co, he took second. And then uh, Matt was your co-angler and uh, several. Uh, so James made it. With this 4.68 beauty, it propelled him from 22nd to 9th uh, that he caught on a plopper uh, <laughs> behind me. But uh, I think Jason was in the chat earlier. So congrats to everybody. Patrick, I fished with him. Todd, I actually fished with him at uh, uh, Vermilion this year. So congrats to everybody that made it. So uh, let's see, there's a couple of questions in here. I think we kind of covered the main baits and techniques. Uh, for me, it was like topwaters. Flipping beavers and a jig up shallow, both like a three-eighths under docks, and I'd do like a three-quarter ounce grass jig when I was flipping reeds and stuff and, and mats. But um, I think we kind of – you said chicken and – Yeah. Uh, yeah, I was just throwing a three-quarter ounce. Uh, my my One of my good buddies uh, hand ties my chickens for me. So I was throwing a three-quarter ounce uh, white and chartreuse, just slow rolling that, um, and then pretty much a drop shot for smallmouths. Any in particular uh, trailer or plastic? Um, or? Yeah, uh, just a just a dream shot. I was throwing a dream shot in more of a darker color, and then um, throwing that new X Zone drop shot bait. I can't remember exactly, not the slammer, but the other one. Um, and that was in more of a minnow um, yeah. colored profile. So for those that. Uh... Don't have buddies that tie chickens for you. You can find the outcast ones at Omnia, <laughs> but they we're, do also sell the. Uh, 
just the heads if you do want to tie your own chickens yeah by the heads yep that head that head is the one that i'm using that that head is so legit so so you can get a two-pack for six bucks that actually makes it pretty affordable if you're tying your own chickens versus what are they like like almost 15 bucks a piece when they come tied so yep no that that bait is is something else i for some reason it just triggers the biggest bites in the lake I don't know what it is about it, but it's it's very comparable to an A rig bite. They just they just piss pound it, just nice. piss pound it. I don't know. Have you been able to throw it around quite a bit? I've thrown it a little bit, and uh, one time I caught a pike in the stomach, but I, I've literally <laughs> never caught a bass on a chicken yet. But it's a uh, it's one of those things I just need to get a couple bites on it. It's a confidence thing, yeah. it really is, and like it was it was super specific what I was doing. Um, and it's like, if you don't have that feel for it, uh, you're not going to get as many bites. So it was, it was just one of those things that, you know, just kind of, it has to click. It was interesting. Cause I, the first time I saw somebody doing what you were talking about, which is kind of slow rolling it, it literally almost like fishing it, like the fuzz, right? Like a regular smally hair jig, but you're just upscaling it basically. Yeah. Everybody a- else that I ever seen it was the, you know, the preacher yep. style. And yep. so when Drew was practicing with me, that was the first time I saw anybody really doing the way you were doing it. So, yeah. And like the, like speed reeling it, uh, stroking it, whatever you want to call it. Great technique for clean, hard bottom. Um, but it just, it's, it's not easy to fish um, around grass. And with the amount of grass uh, that's in Lahamadu, it just makes it really tough. So I was, kind of sneaking it down into some grass and some of my bites came when I was ripping it out, uh, just a reaction bite. But, um, pretty much once you get a feel for it, you can kind of do, you can do a lot of, you know, it's, it's more versatile than people think. The Geneva channel is very sketchy. (laughs) (laughs) Both sides of my boat have a little bit of paint missing. A little extra character. Uh, yeah, congratulations to you, Eric. Uh, you had a nice finish. Finishing, uh, was it third? Third, I think, yeah. Yeah, got him. No, fourth. He got beat by Banger. Okay. Um, Jeremy, thanks for tuning in. Thank you. Uh, I think you touched on this earlier, but it was basically more open water, like sand, scattered... Mm-hmm. They were more just chasing bait than anything. Yeah, right? they weren't really relating to any structure. It was more so they're yeah they're chasing balls of bait. There was tiny little I don't know if you saw or not tiny little bait fish, like an I saw Indian. them in Lahamadu a lot with a little you know a lot of the eight to ten inch bass were pushing those on the surface. Of mm-hmm. That's what they were doing. Yeah, they were spitting up some perch, um, but for the for the most part, I I would see the balls of these just tiny little bait fish all over and they would just, you know, blow a hole in them. Ken wants to know when you get denied by a Somali, what kind of adjustments do you like to make? Uh, I've spent enough time with forward facing sonar now that uh, you can kind of read a fish's behavior. And I, I was around enough fish that if, if I was confident that he saw my bait, um, 
I wouldn't cast at him more than twice. So your um, adjustment was find a biting smallmouth and not try to make them bite when they didn't want to bite. Yep, and that's the way that it is for most species on most lakes. Um, if a fish is going to eat, it's going to eat just about anything. Um, obviously, you can talk a couple of them into, into biting, but um, I was more so just trying to get my bait in front of as many fish as possible. Yeah, cool. So fish in the southeast, I'm thinking he's talking more glide baits, big swimmers, things like that. Probably things bigger than a chicken. Do you get into that much at all or? Not a whole lot just because where we're at. Um, Tell you what, dabbled a little back bit. in the day before the hot pond got jacked up, <laughs> man, would they eat some swim baits there in the winter? <laughs> really eat a swim bait. Yeah. Yeah. I, I do well, like mag draft. Uh, yeah. Mag draft is fun. but Those were the good old days. Yeah. Have you spent a little bit of time up here? I used to. Yeah, the hop the hop pond is literally right there. I live I live right on. I'm I'm the closest house to. But the from hop my pond. understanding, it's not what it once was. Like it doesn't no, pump it's, as warm as it does. So. It, yeah, Bring it's probably a high hole now. There's there's like there's nothing in it now. Yeah, it's pretty still a sad. good dogfish hole in the summer. Oh yeah, always will be. Uh, I'm not on the anything right now, and I haven't been fishing since Lahamadu. I'm in recovery mode. Um, let's see here. So, uh, yeah, let's maybe before we get into this, let's maybe did you watch any of the? I mean, the Oahi, Oahi, Oahi uh, oh, so the hot pond was a uh, a, is it a power plant discharge? Yep. yep, up on uh, part of Lake Bokega, Mississippi River. In Grand Rapids, and they just—I don't know if they've—they've they've turned. I think they updated. The they system. shut down. They shut down the it. The reason that it's a hot water discharge, or it was a hot water discharge, is um, they intake water from the Mississippi River, uh, and that water cools one of their machines, uh, yeah. and then it comes out um, hot water. So in the middle of winter, it would be right around that forty-five degree mark, um, and so obviously huge influx of bass and they were able to grow pretty much year round, which is pretty rare for Northern Minnesota. Uh, so well, arguably the best big bass factory in this, in the Northern part of the state. In Northern. Yeah. You know, um, but yeah, they shut down that machine. So no more hot water. I think they upgraded their system where they no no no, no longer re, you know required that cooling element. So, um, yeah, so it was it was good while it lasted. Sad news. Yep. Ribs are still really not good. Going to the doctor tomorrow to get them looked at again. Uh, but uh, Oahe, yeah, so Oahe was going on, kind of watching it. Awesome to see Austin Felix take the W. Uh, had him on my fantasy team. He carried my fantasy team. Um. But yeah, it was interesting to see that. Uh, I mean, Fighter made the top. T- it was kind of interesting because there was a couple people like Johnson, Fighter, Austin that you kind of expected to do well in small yep. ways. Then you got some guys like Brian New and Tyler Rivette and a few others. That you're like, hmm, that's Matt Robertson, like Matt uh, Robertson, mm-hmm. yeah, like. Um, but it, it didn't really follow it closely. But it was interesting to see. It sounds like they were really, you know, eating KTEX drop shots, Ned rigs, the first couple days. Then it kind of went to a like a Carolina rig bite. Yeah, that was really interesting. It's from the sounds of it, it fished a lot tougher than it was supposed to. Yeah. Um, talking with guys before 
practice. Uh, talking to guys that went out pre-practice a handful of months ago, like they thought it was, they thought it was going to take over a hundred. They thought yeah. that the St. Lawrence was going to take less weight. Yeah, guys um, like Austin that went out there last August. There's like, I've never seen so many big, stupid, small mouth in all my life. They basically said they were so easy to catch. You could just drive around with your side scan, see big giant pods of them, pull up, catch them. Like it was stupid. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I don't know what changed. Mixture but... of weather and pressure. I, I would guess. I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm sure a, a fair amount of walleye guys catch small mouths by accident. Um, and I don't know if there was any wall recent walleye tournaments out there. I think there was one going on while they were out there. That could have done it, um, but just odd, odd that it was so, so tough. Um, but clearly Austin showed it the one day catching, you know, almost 24 or whatever. Yeah. I had seen, I had some people send me some pictures of like resorts and charters with big stringers of walleyes with big stringers of smallmouth right above them. Like, on the nails, right? Like, yeah, it is. It's the only, it's like one of the only places in the area that has water. Right. So yeah. anybody within an hour or two, that's the only place that they can go. So I think it, it does get enough pressure. I mean, I would think 10 feet down, I would think it would make it even easier, but I don't know. Like they'd be more concentrated, but who knows? Maybe it was just a thing where they were on a different kind of bait that made them much more pelagic and they weren't really set up the same way. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of different factors that can go into it <laughs> or they just weren't biting. <laughs> that happens plenty. Yeah. I would say that happened at Laham- or, uh, Vermilion. Like we were up there for a TBF T- TOC, like just after classic bass was there and it was horrendous. Like there was people not catching limits on Vermilion. Like, Vermilion hasn't been good this year up until like two weeks ago. I spent a lot of time on Vermilion. That's what I'm saying. Like it was off. Like really it's just, bad. It, it's a good lake. And it was really bad. I don't know. It's I can't figure out how to explain it, but lakes do do that. So mm-hmm. Eric wants a little info on your your front facing setup. Uh I have Live Scope Plus on my boat currently. Um and Wow, what gain and range you're running? Um, I running my gain around like 68, um, and then I'm looking out all the kind of depending on what I'm fishing, but I would run it anywhere from uh, 100 to 130. Um, for that chicken thing, it was really, really vital for me to see it. Um, go down to the you know to the grass line um and so i a good cast is about 130 feet um that's kind of what i figured out and i can actually i can see the bait hit the bottom and watch it go all the way down to the grass line and then i can engage it right so then you could when you were slow rolling and floating your chicken you could make sure you were not in the grass but always one foot above it. Yeah. yep yep interesting Oh, I should forget that uh, we are going to stop the stream a little bit earlier tonight at about 45 minutes, and we are doing a members-only live stream tonight. So members, hang around. Check the uh, the membership tab. Kobe, you are more than welcome to join us if you want. I'll send you a link if you want to hang out with the members only, but that'll be optional. Um, but we are going to give away this uh, 
arsenal. We should maybe just do that while we're we're at an hour. We're at like 140. Most everybody's here. So uh, as we get into lacrosse here, I'll fire this up. Uh, lacrosse starts on Friday. Championship Monday, which I'm pretty excited about. Like I feel like Championship Mondays are way better than Championship uh, Sundays for watching on Bass Live. I think. Because I, I typically want to be out like fishing on Sundays yeah, or like no. doing stuff and like not sitting at home, but I don't mind having the old live up on the second second monitor on Mondays. <laughs> are you heading down there at all, or are you? Uh, I will not. Far? I will not be heading down. No, no. How are you? Uh, I I probably would for sure if our second vehicle was here, but yep. since I'm a, a one vehicle household, thanks to some lady that ran a red light and totaled my Tahoe that, uh, I don't know, maybe if I had to ride down there for a day and that kind of stuff, but, um, yeah, what, this is a good question. What I assume you had the LV 32 before the LV 34. Yes. Maybe you can kind of talk about that for just a second. Yeah. Um, so, well, I guess I should start off by saying, uh, I run a, I run a demo boat every year. So uh, whatever my buyer wants, um, that's what I put on my boat. Um, And so originally I got my boat um, before, kind of before I could get my hands on the uh, 34. Uh, So I did have a 32 on my boat. That's what my buyer wanted. Uh, And then once I was able to get my hands on a 34, um, that's what I put on. And so I I got it on my boat actually right before um, this Lahamadu tournament. And so, um, I've, I've been able to use, uh, live scope plus for, I'm going to be right back. You just keep talking about that transducer. Right. Sounds good. Uh, I've been able to use uh live scope plus for pretty much since it came out. Um, I, I work for a company that we get to see a lot of products, uh, early on in its development. So, um, I've been in the boat with it enough. And honestly, I first glance using it um going back and forth between the 32 and 34 i really i didn't think it was that big of a difference uh, until i i was in the boat with the 34 for quite a while and then i went back to the 32 um and obviously with anything anytime that you go backwards in technology um you notice a, a bigger difference than you think um so much clearer um, target separation is un- unbelievable, um, and you're able to see out a decent am- amount further. Um, with the 32, I was running it. I was running my distance at like a hundred, um, and I could see my bait in and out um, every once in a while it, within 80 feet. Um, and this 34, I can see my bait at all times, pretty much no matter how far out um, I, I put the thing. Um, so I was, I was running at 130 feet, not because of any real reason. It was just because 130 feet was about how far I was casting my bait. Um, obviously whenever you dial it back in, um, you know, it, your image is only going to get better. Um, so that's, I usually, I just keep it up, but that's kind of the, the difference between the, 32 and 34 is target separation distance and clarity yes exactly it's yeah 
It's like going <laughs> from an, an Xbox back to a Nintendo. 64-bit back to 8-bit. Yep. Yep. Nice. Well, let's uh, fire this up as we get into uh, talking about cross. So if you want an extra large Arsenal Sun Hoodie, type hashtag XL, and we'll do a drawing in a little bit. So either hopefully you can wear an XL, grow into an XL, or know somebody that needs an XL. But uh, go ahead and type that in the chat. Awesome. I did see that, Bass Funded. Thanks for joining, becoming a member. That's super awesome. I saw that. Uh, appreciated. So tune in tonight. We got a members-only stream coming up um right after this so all you have to do is uh do a tackle crafter here and you'll be in the drawing so yeah lacrosse i'm kind of excited do you fish have you been down to the river much is that something you fish or not I fish don't or? It, no because i have a demo boat i i don't i don't fish it too often because my boat's not usually sold well that's what i'm told i'm told i'm i'm told if you stay in the main channel you're fine but Gotta keep it trimmed up and let her rip. Too many horror hard. stories. <laughs> so no, I I've only fished pool four. Okay. So yeah, I you I've, I'm sure you've plenty. I've spent plenty of time on it. Yeah, decent amount. I fished the northern regionals down there last year, and a handful of BFLs, and quite a few different tournaments. Yeah, I, I don't know. I love the river. It's uh, it's fun. It's it does seem pretty cool. Large mouth, small mouth. There's tons of fish in it. So, yeah, I'm excited because, you know, so we were basically had our Northern Regional down there uh, this exact time last year, you know, basically 90 boats as well. And um, I let it for two days and didn't quite close it out. <laughs> I, did, I did the anti-Kobe and didn't close it out uh, on the final day. Um, yeah, I hope to get down there, but I don't know if it's going to happen. So if, if, if I do... It'll probably be Saturday night, and you'll find me at Shaver's house at Elite Fest, but I don't know. We only got one car, so um, welcome, Rusty. Thanks for joining as a member. That's awesome. Much appreciated. We'll give uh, the uh, – we got a little – one of us, one of us. Welcome to the uh, the team, Rusty. So, all right. Uh, yeah, yeah. And so it was a really interesting, uh, it wasn't super easy. I would say the tournament pressure is kind of, there's been a lot of 300, 400 boat high school tournaments and quite a few Toyotas and opens. And so, I mean, it's taken its toll. It's still a good fishery, um, but it's just not quite wide open. It's not like the elites were there when they were in there in 2012, 2013, where people were catching 30, 40 fish a day on a frog. That That's probably not going to happen. I think you're going to see some guys that won't catch limits. Like you're going to see some people that are going to come in with two or three fish for six or seven pounds, I think. Um, and I think the top end weights are only going to be 15 to 17 pounds a day. And I think it's going to be low sixties, I think for winning weight. So, I mean, it's going to be a good tournament. It's going to be tight. Um, be a lot of movement and, uh, you know, largemouth and smallmouth will both play. I think it'll be slightly more dominated by largemouth, but I think it'll be a good event. Um, the, the tightness should make it for an interesting race towards yeah. the end, uh, with AOI and stuff. Yeah. I don't think anybody's going to blow, like 
it's not going to be like Todd Faircloth where he sat in the box at Stoddard and wailed on him for four days with hardly even moving. Like you're going to have to have a handful of areas to rotate through and manage your fish a little bit. Um, I think, I mean, I could be wrong, but that, I mean, based on what I've seen from the river lately, I think that's how it's going to set up. Um, the fish will be starting to show up on sand drops. Um, you'll see frogfish play. You'll see swim jig fish. Um, lots of things. I think it'll be a little more than 13. I think it's going to be right at 15 ish a day, but I think somebody will get 16, 17, then they'll have 14 and then they'll maybe have 13 one day. So right around in there. Um, Yeah, and I think yeah, guys like Schlopper and uh, Jay, Jay Shakurt was in the same tournament I was last year. He finished seventh. So, obviously, uh, the water level is the same. It's the same time of year. The flow is probably not way different. So, a lot of the stuff that he figured out, and I'm sure he he gleaned some things from what other people were doing in that tournament, that he'll have some ideas on what to look for. Uh, so, I expect that he'll he'll probably just do just fine. Is the water a bit low, Rich? It's It's – a little low for normal sub summer, but it's, uh, you know, for, for the elite guys that have been there before, they're going to think it's really low because usually when they've been there, it's been seven to nine feet. And one year it was up at 13 and now it's around five. So okay. for them, it's going to feel low. Um, yeah, this, this is true. Carolina rig speed crowd will probably play again. Uh, Carolina rig I caught most of my smallies on a, a Carolina rig, top waters, Carolina rigs, things like that. will definitely probably play for smallmouth. Does it fish a heck of a lot smaller with the lower water? Mm, maybe a little bit, but it's still going to fish plenty big. People will be spread out. Um, yeah. Even in our 90 boat tournament last year. I mean, there was a few areas with some boats in it. Like there was definitely several box, several boats in the box and Stoddard community areas, things like that. But, I don't know. The river spreads people out. Three yeah. pools. I mean, it's 90 miles of river, right? I mean, mm-hmm. there is a ton of water. So um, if you want to fish around people, you can fish around people, but there's plenty of opportunity to spread out. Uh, so a sand drop is basically a sandbar where you've got current. There's there's two kinds. Sometimes the current will run parallel. Other times it will run over the top. But typically the ones that are the best is where you have a shallow sandbar uh, and then basically the water will roll over the top of it and dig it out behind it. And as you get later in the summer into fall, the bait starts to hang out on those sand drops. And obviously if there's bait there, the fish will get there. And smallies and largemouth will use that to pin uh, bait and use it as a feeding station. Um, largemouth or smallmouth or mixed? I think, I mean, for me last year it was a mix. The first two days, I weighed three largemouth and two smallies each day. And then the last day, I only had three largemouth. And basically, last year on the third day, we had, like, really strong south winds that just messed up my current area. So it was just blowing right upstream. And typically, current areas, if you got a hard south wind, kind of jacks them up. The fish kind of spread out. They don't sit where you think you're going to catch them. Um, and uh, – I just, I didn't have a time. I had a pretty poor practice. <laughs> I only had a handful of things going and a few things that I figured out during the tournament. And uh, I couldn't get any of my smallies to go. And I literally had one grass mat that was about the size of my boat that I caught almost every largemouth I caught during that tournament. 
out of that one grass mat. And so the last day I hunkered down that grass mat and I got three largemouth for 10 and a half pounds, but I could never fill my limit on anything else. So, um, but, uh, if I could have one more largemouth mat, I could have won it. <laughs> yeah. Speed crawl Carolina rig works everywhere, but it's really deadly on smallmouth. Um, What's up, Sean? Good to see you. All right, so we got uh, 59 people in the drawing. Get one more. Anybody else? Uh, Jerkbaits should start to play uh, as long as it's not. The only problem with the jerkbait this time of year is depending on what the water is doing, that like if the backwaters are kind of emptying a little bit, if the water's dropping and it's sucking stuff out of the backwaters and there's been a lot of people in and out of the backwaters, that eelgrass will be chopped up and floating around that uh that can really make it hard to throw a top water or a jerk bait one of my best areas that i fish where i caught my smallmouth is typically a really good place to throw a jerk bait or a top water but there was so much floating stuff coming out of the backwater that it was just uh not 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 really couldn't do it effectively all right Time to hit the button. See who's going to win themselves a sweet sun shirt and protect themselves against the sun because we care about our viewers and we want them not to get skin cancer. So, Michael Tesh. Oh, well, that a boy, my team partner. I guess I saved shipping. I'm just going to bring it to the office tomorrow. Congratulations, oh. Michael. <laughs> uh, awesome. But uh, yeah, so I got, uh, yeah, so I think I. I saw some posts where people said they were like all the rods were tied up, but I kind of feel like they still get to practice tomorrow down on the cross because the term doesn't start till Friday. Well, that's what I figured. But uh, figured, uh, maybe it was Brian Schmidt. Maybe he's so dialed that uh, he doesn't even need to worry about it. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Are they is tomorrow not day? Yeah, because I, I don't think it is because I talked to Maddie Wong. He was getting his boat fixed at Intune. Um, on Monday, and he said he wasn't missing practice. So I assume practice is Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, which is tomorrow, I think, and then tournament Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Um, hmm. But, uh, yeah. And so for the people that didn't win and their members, we will be giving away this MTB Pro Box on the members after party stream. So you members still got a chance to win some stuff tonight. Um one thing I should mention also, I don't know if uh, you get the goods early. Do you get any Berkeley stuff early? Yeah. Have you have you thrown the slobber knocker yet? Yeah. Uh, yeah, we got the slobber knocker a handful of months ago. Um, what are your actually, thoughts on the slobber knocker? It's a pretty cool bait. Um, it is extremely consistent, um, which are, are you a fan of that or are you not? Um there's probably you're a time it's not not like on a hunt typically yep. what you're saying exactly exactly like you will like you'll see with you know the jackhammer and that sort of stuff mm -hmm. um it's all i mean everything pure fishing is it's gone through a million tests and so they have recordings of this thing and from the time it hits the water till the time it's back it's at the same whatever level of you know noise vibration um super super consistent uh and it's I'm sure it has a time and a place. Um, same, 
same deal as you know a, a jackhammer has a time and a place so i'm sure it will play super super cool bait um and it's it's definitely different than anything else on the market how's the does it start up pretty quick do you have to pop it yeah no it's it's really it's got a it's got like a deeper it's got like a deeper thump i would say than than your a jackhammer nice so a good yeah. change of pace bladed mm-hmm. jig yep yep it's a good bait obviously the scented skirt um maybe we'll get you another bite maybe i i don't know power baits power bait though right that, that way when those pike are nipping at the tail they'll commit to it and suck it in like yep. you want them to <laughs> yep. i like this coleslaw looking color it is interesting i haven't seen this one so i did i did see omni got him in i think yesterday so i ordered a couple today just to try them uh so for those that would like to get their hands on the slobber knocker omni now has them in you can use the code scrolling down below so But I did want to mention that because I thought that was relevant. Uh, and people like to get their baits when they come in. Kind oh, of yeah. a highly touted, anticipated bait after iCast. Did you make it down to iCast, Rich? No. Nope, I have not. Were you there? I was. Yeah. Working? We're just working. Yep. 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 We, uh, we go down with all of our... Most of our clients are there, so we don't have a booth or anything. We just go and it's it's one of the only opportunities that we get to kind of go talk to everyone every year. So right, kind of gives you a central place to like catch up with everybody without exactly. like having everybody come into your facility or you traveling around to their facilities. You can kind of yep, yep, exactly. So it's it's nice a lot of relationship building. Do you guys do much stuff. filming and stuff while you're down there to get no? Don't really? even bring a camera. It's <laughs> it's weird. It's weird to get on the plane with no camera equipment, um, but it's nice. It's just shaking hands, kissing babies. Yep, yep, exactly. Was, that's what was this your first iCast as a twenty-one-year-old? Yeah, yep, yep. <laughs> first iCast ever, actually, because okay. I'm a twenty-one-year-old. Yep, <laughs> yep. They won't let me go before too much of a liability, I guess. Probably. <laughs> Probably a good parenting decision. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, so for those that, that didn't pick up on that, I guess the title is that uh, Kobe still is very much a kid. He's 21. Uh, just graduated college or? Just graduated, yep. Graduated a year early from the Midgey State. Yep, yep. But I'm going back to school. So okay. I'm going to go get my master's. So, yeah. yeah. Hopefully the master's keeps you busy and you won't be able to fish the state tournament and pick on me again next year. <laughs> uh, I guess maybe you'll be able to truly figure out how well how well the uh, the smallies bite in the summer on leech next year yeah yeah we'll, we'll they always see. seem to show up in the spring but i guess we'll find out how many there really are uh in a summer tournament yeah they can show up just as fast as they can disappear out there you get out there much like for fun or yeah yeah a decent amount yeah but i haven't chased small malls a whole lot um not as i i grew up largemouth fishing it um mm-hmm. The small malls have obviously really taken off over the last handful of years, but I would say that they're going to play, especially if it's another three-day tournament. I think you're going to have to need at least a day of them. Because it, so Hunter Boats, like Leash, I'm, I mean, I'm sure you've spent plenty of time out there. It doesn't fish big, I don't think. 
Um, I mean, for, for how it big the does, lake is, but for as big as it is, it doesn't fish super big. But yeah, exactly, it's one of the biggest lakes in Minnesota, and it doesn't fish as big as others, other lakes in Minnesota. Um, so, based off of how the smallmouth population is growing and the amount of structure that they have at their fingertips, um, I think it's only going to keep going up, and you're going to. Obviously, I played this year in the team trail, um, and I think it's which, which was a spring event. Yeah, yeah. I was be interested. I mean, I I kind of feel like it, they do play in some of the like local like team Excel like all that kind of stuff, but it'd be interesting to see like because there's, there's two sides of that coin, right? You you do have a hundred boats looking for, so somebody's going to find them. But if there's not as many as you know, we and, think they are. How are they going to react to the pressure of a hundred boats snooping around for them on? A hand. I mean, there is quite a bit of water for them, but then again, there's not unlimited water for them to hide. No, no. I mean, they they sit on all the obvious stuff for the most part. At least I've I've never found them anywhere else other than the obvious stuff. Um, I mean, they stay fairly shallow year round. Um, So what do they do after fifty, sixty boats check them each day for three days? What does that look like? Exactly. It just depends. Look, I mean, there's guys that are gonna be checking on the largemouth every single day too it's just i don't know it it seems like i guess i can't talk because this is only the second state tournament that i've ever fished in but it seems like it just gets tough every single year um for sure much pressure time of year right it's always getting to be late august or mid-august it's a tough typically a tougher time um yeah, it'll be interesting because it also, like, I mean, it's still a good fishery, but I would say the largemouth are on a little bit of a decline right now. I mean, maybe not numbers, but size is not at its peak by any means right you're now. Not as, you're not seeing as many five-plusers in the yeah, last um, handful of years. And, like, I uh pretty decent friends with, um, like, the Peterson family, mm-hmm. uh, which the, the Petersons have won plenty of money out there. Um, and I've talked to... I've talked to Jace quite a bit about it and he, he definitely has said that in the last handful of years, it's gotten extremely tough. Um, but in their, in their family experience out there or whatever, um, it, it does go through cycles. And so he figured another, you know, five, six years and then it'll come back just like any other lake. But it, I, I would agree with you that the large mouth fishing doesn't seem as good as it once was. Yeah. It's like, I mean, 16, 17 pounds is a pretty good largemouth bag out there these days, whereas, like, five years ago, you know, 19 to 20 was strong, right? Like, mm-hmm. so, yeah, we just have a single qualifier every year. It's a Now it's a three-day tournament, so we have one tournament each year. Now, people have clubs and different ways to get into it to make it, but there is just one state tournament qualifier to, to make regionals. How many of those have you fished, Rich? How many what? How many uh, state tournaments have you fished? My first one was 1997, and I think I've missed two. Both of those because I was fishing a TBF regional at the same time. So I missed Tonka (laughs) once, and I missed Island once. And that was the year my dad won Island the year I wasn't there. (laughs) And you're on your second, and you've already won... 50% 50% of them. So <laughs> yeah, the, uh, well, the first one I fished as a co that was when, uh, 
it was on Pekegama. You qualified. Were you, for that. were you down at Gunnersville or? I was down at Gunnersville. I don't even remember you. Yeah, that. I was just a little, little tiny kid. Yeah. Probably just like quiet in the corner. Yeah. Probably all, just, all, all, all these loud mouths like me spouting off at the meetings. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so. Yeah, I think yeah. I took third. Yeah. I'm 43. About to be 44. Uh, welcome to the membership, Michael. Appreciate it. Uh, yeah. So, and I guess, I don't know. I mean, I fished, I don't know how many that is. 20 some. And I've probably made eight regional teams, maybe 10 and three nationals. So, it really rips me apart when I don't make the top 10 and don't make the regional because then I mean that it's a whole nother year before I get a shot again. So it's. Yep. Well, they, they did take, I guess it was the same. They took 20 guys back then. So, yeah, I don't know. There's still hope. I could still join the Nebraska, right, AJ? Michael is hungry. He probably does want to get himself the box. Good point, TK. Oh, so yeah. Um, so reminder, if you don't have your fantasy fishing lineups, you still have time. You still have until Friday morning to get your fantasy fishing lineups in for lacrosse. Uh, I touched on most of my notes. So what's, do you got any tournaments left this year or stuff up north or what do you, what do you do? Just work I haven't been fishing any tournaments. This is, I had a, uh, this was my third tournament of the year. I usually fish over a dozen. I had a, I had a college tournament on chick uh this february and then i had one more local one out on pacagama and then this is this is my only other tournament uh of the year i was supposed to go down the college national championship is uh it's next week uh on winya um mm-hmm. i was supposed to go down for that but just it didn't work out i got a a big work trip lined up um going to northern saskatchewan for two weeks the work so um we're we're plenty busy this time of year at, at work so i i really haven't been i haven't been fishing a whole lot just been traveling um filming and stuff so yeah how are you you got any more derbies uh yeah so let's see if i can get a tow truck lined up here like i'm <laughs> supposed to fish the tbf semis which is like september 11th and 12th or 10th and 11th on vermilion which i'm pretty that should be a good tournament like that Pretty excited about that one. Two-day tournament up there. There'll be like 40 or 50 boats. Um, and then the top guy in each state there. So that's basically their version of Bass Nation's regionals. So they have the semis, and it's just kind of a three-state deal. Um, and then uh, so that if, if I finish top in Minnesota there, I'll go to the TBF Nationals, which then can send you to the BFL American, which would be cool. That's always been a goal of mine. Um and then, uh, then I'm fishing the Minnesota Bassheads tournament with Banger on Big Stone, so that should be a good one. That's like September 24th, 25th, something like that. And then I have a Waconia tournament the day after. And then uh, I'll probably jump in some random, like I usually get in the Fall Brawl, Arsenal Fall Brawl on Rush, and then I usually try to jump in like some of those Fairbolt Lake Ball tournament. Like I just love fall fishing, like when I can just lock a jig in my hand and go fish shallow and not worry about just turn the electronics off. And, um, but 
So uh, you got your hands full then. Yeah. Conrad, how do you remember? There should be a link down right by the subscribe button that you can hit join. If you're watching on mobile, you'll probably have to hide the live chat. Um, otherwise, I do put a link in the description of this video as well. So there's a couple different ways where you can click to join to become a member. Um, Mark wants to know, did you learn much from your dad being a musky guide? I haven't learned a thing from my dad my entire life. <laughs> <laughs> Is no. he watching on Facebook, not commenting? Yeah, probably. He's, like, probably. He's uh, got no, a burner I, account? Yeah. Uh, no, I learned pretty much everything I know from my dad, at least growing up. Um, I grew up on a on a resort, my family owned a resort. My dad was a uh, fishing guide, muskies, walleyes, bass. Uh, he was a guide for 24 years. So um, growing up, that's kind of, he got me into fishing. So learned a lot from my dad. I don't give him the credit he deserves very often, but. <laughs> uh, Ray, I work for a company called Wired to Fish. Yep. So film fishing videos. Uh, along with a whole bunch of other stuff, but. So when does weather typically keep us off the water? Well, you, you seem like the kind of guy that probably, uh, do, do you ice fish at all? <laughs> Not by choice. <laughs> for work? For, for work and there's nothing else to do for six months of the year. <laughs> yeah, but basically, I guess up where, where Kobe lives happens earlier. Yeah. Uh, Usually I can fish into the first or second week of November where I live typically. Some years it's not that long. Some years it's a little later, but on average right around that first or second week of November. And then things get really dicey as far as like, you got to break through ice and it's really hard to catch. If we had more smallmouth right where I lived, I could probably fish a little later, but smallmouth or largemouth once it gets in the 30s that's that's a tough game <laughs> yeah <up> here <laughs> yeah they get a little angry yeah uh, no we get we we usually get we're we're typically about a week or two uh ahead of you so around like, mean, yeah yep, end of october end of october obviously you're depending um but that's about all we get and then i would say I mean, for me, where I live, typically can get out on the river and start fishing open water early to mid-April most years. Sometimes it's March. Um, for you, what time did water? What when did ice go up for you this year? It was late before opener, like first week of May. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's a late one this year. Um, yeah, no, it. We usually, usually sometime around the last week of April. Uh, first week of May. Um, yeah. Usually get like a week or two of crappie fishing. In. Yeah. It'd be nice if they got that catch and release bass season extended a little bit. I know, right? That's why it'd be nice to get into like true pre-spawn. Well, I mean, you you actually do get pre-spawn. Like we yeah. don't we don't get pre-spawn yeah. where we live, like rarely. Like it's pretty much season opens in the spawn typically. Um, but uh mm-hmm. Yeah. And it used to be like (laughs) before they changed the generators at the hot pond, I would make like two or three trips per year, like just day trips. I would drive three and a half hours, like leave my house at like four in the morning, get up there at sunrise, fish until dark and then drive home, like leave the house at four, get home at like midnight. (laughs) 
Oh man, but those are some of the most memorable. I mean, you probably did it when like you could probably go out on like a Tuesday when nobody was there and just yeah, beat on them. Could do it every day if I wanted to. Yeah. I mean, in the fall, like once once the lake like starts to turn over, it's yeah, and no problem going out after school and catching fifty fish. Yeah, it's, and good ones. Oh yeah, yeah. I it, an honest twenty pounds every single night. Yo. With some, we got some sixes, like high sixes. I don't know that I'd ever seen one bigger, like a seven come out of there when I was up there, but definitely yeah, sixes no, are not common. Yeah, I have a replica. I'm staring at it right now. Seven even. Yep. Yeah, there's there's big ones. There there were. Um, there hasn't been been very very many big ones. Wait, or I can imagine that that is just overall brought the fish size down in that section of the river. I think a lot of the big ones died off, honestly. Um, and then there's no, it's, the growth just isn't as fast. Yeah, they can't fish your, or can't chew those bluegills year round. So. Yep. Yep. Uh, yeah. The, and fish movement has just changed so much too. Like all those fish knew was to migrate to a little bay every single fall um so it's i i feel like they're still trying to figure it out um the it's hard to like i've i've always been a river rat um and for those of you that have fished pacagama and tournaments and stuff um it's smallmouth on the lake largemouth on the river um and it was always a toss-up of what won um but the, with the smallmouth population where they're at in the lake right now, it's pretty unbelievable. Um, so it you can't even hardly compete in the river. But with with the hot ponds shutting down, it was like four years ago now, I think. Um, they're kind of starting to rebound. There's a good, there's a really good class of like three to three and a half pounders coming. So it'll it'll come back around, I'm sure. Yeah, I've always like people always ask me like, what's my favorite lake? And Pokegama was always at the top of my list. Like, it's probably one of the most diverse fisheries that we have in Minnesota, if you include the whole chunk of it, right? Like the river, the little lakes, the big you know, lake. You can do anything you want. And honestly, you didn't. You said smallmouth lakes, but you you can crack twenty. Oh yeah, yeah. Largemouth on the lakes too. Like yep. there's yep. there's a yep. pretty good. Uh, so there's really like three things going on at all times, right? You had the percent, hundred percent. If I if I'm gonna go largemouth fishing, I'm gonna go yeah, flip, flip this stuff. <laughs> I'm gonna put a big stick in my hand. Yeah, uh, but no, the the largemouth fishing can also be really good on the lake. Um, almost as good as the river now. <laughs> but yeah. smallmouth populations unbelievable right now. But even Absolutely. better than it was five years ago. The the amount of four pounders is absurd. Hmm. Yeah. Nice. Very cool. Yeah. So does that mean does that mean you're gonna be at state like is state gonna be like a normal thing for you or I would like to make it a normal thing. Um I I just I was lucky enough to get a, a week off uh, put it in the schedule early enough to get it off Don't so you know I, somebody there that you can <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> no kidding no kidding no i i th- 
I would like to allocate a week to it every year. I had a blast blast this year. Um, I, I'm not really like an active member of any club, um, which I would like to become one. Um, we just, there's nothing really close to us up here. Uh, I think like Duluth is probably the closest one. Not that I don't know how many, uh, you know, club tournaments and stuff you guys do rich, but, um, it's, we do, we do one. Okay. <laughs> okay. I know like some of them, you know, yeah. they have like, you know, five tournaments a year yeah. and super proactive and stuff, but, um, we just don't have a whole lot of that. We're kind of isolated up here. There you go. <laughs> oh, there we go. <laughs> there you go. Just head on down to pool four for all your club tournaments. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's kind of weird. Like you would think that Grand Rapids would have a strong, but they don't, they've never really had, mm-hmm. I guess no, we had iron cool. range bass masters for a while in the fed, the bass nation, but. Yeah, it is surprising because we have... Uh, you know, if there was just some, like, ambitious young guy that could really, like, spear the... You know what I mean? Spearhead it? Like, that that would be an idea. Yeah. Somebody that was well-connected in the industry, you know, yep. they could, could do that. Probably. Yeah, I could figure out someone, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, welcome, Conrad Fox. Welcome to the team. One of us, one of us. It's awesome. I'll have a few more people hanging out in the chat. Greg's in the Brainerd area, I think. They do five. So there's definitely some. I mean, like, you're not. What's Brainerd's not? How Just far over an hour. Yeah. Like, there's definitely range, and there's, I forget what. Uh, there's definitely several Brainerd area clubs. So I like the Brainerd area. I wouldn't mind going down there. Where did Hellabass originate from? Wouldn't you like to know? I would like to know. It's kind of a long, convoluted story. It goes back to a time when we had dial-up internet. When uh, you like had AOL and like right, like you'd like like you know, like you don't know what I'm talking about, but like you had like, <laughs> but everybody had a screen name, like. Uh, like for AOL or Yahoo or whatever, like they'd have chats and like, like everybody had to have a screen name for all these instant messaging and all that stuff. So, um, and when I got into school, uh, I played club volleyball at stout and like, so when you in, in, in volleyball, right? Like a, a big hit is a kill, right? Like, uh, and so like hella, right. Like means like big grand, like awesome. Right. So like back then, like hella kill. So, when I was in college, my like username for like boards and stuff like that was Helikill um, for volleyball. But then basically, as I got into fishing, it just kind of turned into Hella Bass. So, so Baxter Bass, you're getting recruited by all kinds of clubs. Yeah. Everybody wants to champ. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Invite to uh, Omaha for a Nebraska club. Um, <laughs> all right well we're about seven minutes from the uh the members live so we're going to take a quick break you can get a refill on your beverages you can use the restroom um you new members can uh, i shall put a link down for the people that maybe joined you may not have got this let me just uh put it in here for the members 
Are you gonna? Are you want to join us? Or are you gonna kind of depart and and then do your thing? Probably gonna head out. I've had a long couple of days, so I'm gonna get some well needed rest. It's tough being a champ. I wouldn't <laughs> know, but um, but I appreciate your time tonight. No, thanks for having me on. It was a blast. It was a blast. Yeah. So uh, here is the uh, members link. Can't spell members. So meet you guys back here in about five minutes. And uh, thanks for your time, Kobe. Congratulations again. Thank you. Someday I'll get you. And uh, I'm going to definitely, I'm not giving up until I get one of those championships. So I'm sure you will. I got at least another 20 state tournaments in me. So Uh, thanks again, Rich. Appreciate it. Yeah, appreciate it. Stay in touch. All right. So there you go. Uh, For those that aren't coming to the member stream, you can catch the replay. A lot of good information here tonight. Uh, you can catch the replay on Facebook or YouTube, wherever you want, or download or search Hellabass in your favorite podcast app. Um, and uh, I want to take a quick break. We'll be back in five minutes. As always, here to help you guys catch more big bass and suck less. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. As always, thanks to all of you that hung in till the end of this podcast. This has been another episode of Hellabass Bass Fishing Podcast Experience. Please consider sharing this with any of your bass and buddies and friends. This is the best way for podcasts to grow is through word of mouth. Also, don't forget to search Hellabass on Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, or just about anywhere else so that we can connect in more ways. As always, here to help you catch more bass and suck less. <laughs>